Hey, I'm Pastor Dave. Welcome to the Lighthouse. We hope the Lord speaks to you today by his word. God bless. Colossians chapter 1. And I, I want to go back to a time when I was uh, a lot younger. And um, um, I don't know about you. How, how many of you remember uh, uh, public school or when you were first at school and some of the races that you did in those uh, early early days uh, do you remember that when you when you were f so in shape and could run and uh, I remember those days uh, seems like a different millennium millennia ago and actually it was um, a different uh, millennia but I can remember uh, grade 10 here in Niagara Falls Oaks Park Ernie, I I th you would have been there too. Uh, and uh, there were hundreds and hundreds of athletes there on that, uh, on that day. Uh, for those of you that were inv are involved or were ever involved in competition, uh, just the, the, the nerves, the butterflies that uh, were there knowing that you would be competing. And um, I can remember uh, it was a, a morning race. Uh, it was the first time I was running the 400 meter uh, race, one, one lap around the track, 400 meters. And I can remember uh, stepping up to the start line. And just before the start, uh, it was a staggered start. But just before, uh, there was some tall, lanky kid uh, trash talking uh, before the race and it was like oh my goodness um, how am I gonna do how am I gonna do and I can remember um, you know getting to into the at the start line and and uh, just as as the starter runners to your mark and then set and then Bang, and we were off. And uh, basically, the 400 is a is a tough race. It's 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 almost a sprint. The whole 400 meters. And I could remember uh, as you're you're taking off, and everybody's pretty well full out uh, on that first curve. We're starting on the curve and uh, heading down the second hundred, 200 meters, uh, just on the straight straight away. And I can't remember which lane I was in, but it's like, hey, got to go full out, got to go full out. And I can remember as he came around the, the second bend, another 100 meters left to run, and you could hear your teammates from your school, go, Dave, go. And there's just a shout that's going up. And... Um, I can remember just your your lungs are just burning, your legs are burning, your lungs you're just you're just wondering, hey, how am I able to keep going here? But once again, doing whatever you could, uh, having trained uh, months leading up to it, and uh, just wanting to do well. I remember that race came in first. And it was a time, there were two heats, it was a timed event. So it was the, f the best time of, out of those two heats that would go on to the next level, to Sasa, which was the next level. And I can remember coming in first overall in that. It's just like, oh man, that feels so good to come in first. How many, how many of you like being in first? We all, hey, we all want to do well. We want to come in first. Uh, there's something about being first is, you're, hey, you're in control. You're in charge. You've got this down. It feels good. But you know what? Being first is not quite what it's cracked up to be. I want you uh, just to, to go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Colossians 1, 18. Maybe if you can just uh, put that up on the, on the screen for us. It says, and he, that's speaking of Jesus, this he is Jesus, is the head of the body the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, 
that in all things he may have the preeminence. I just want to repeat that last phrase, that in all things he may have the preeminence. To be preeminent, it talks about being above all. It talks about being first. But when you look at the meaning of this word, and it's only used one time in the New Testament. This word is only used once in the New Testament, and it's obviously in Colossians 1, verse 18, in this verse. It is not just to be first, but it means to hold the first place. To hold the first place. That in all things he may hold the first place. I, wanna, I just want to get into that a little bit here tonight. To hold the first place. To hold the first place. That in all things he may have first place. Or hold first place. Let's just jump back a few verses. And I just want to... I just want to see as we read through these verses from verse 15 to this last verse this or this verse 18 we recognize that he is preeminent Jesus is first he is above all he is first I want you to know that tonight if you don't know that that you would know it tonight he is first it says he is the image of the invisible God having been made flesh to come and to walk amongst us. He was the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The firstborn over all creation. This firstborn talks about the fact that he came 2,000 years ago. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. So, for by him, he was a part of the creation of all things. All things created in heaven and that are on earth, the things that are seen, the things that are not seen, the things, whether they are thrones, our governments, or officials, or dominions, or principalities, or powers, even the things that are not seen, we're talking about the unseen realm, the spiritual realm. All things were created through him and for him. In fact, it says that he just spoke, and things, the things that he spoke, there was things coming to exist even as he spoke them into existence as God spoke things into existence so he is all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things consist everything that lives we all have our breath in and through the Lord we consist we exist because of Jesus Christ. And then it says into the, in this verse, it says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That he would have preeminence, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Jesus is preeminent. Revelations 1 verse 5 says, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, so he went to the cross and he died, but he was the first one, firstborn from the dead. He overcame death and hell. And the ruler over the kings of the earth. Jesus is ruler over our, our officials, our city officials. 
He is ruler over our premier and all the officials. He is ruler over our prime minister and all his cabinet and all the officials. He is ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He is preeminent. He is above all. Whether we acknowledge or not, he is above all. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus, as he was about to leave the planet, said to his disciples, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. Amen. So be it. And it is. He is with us. All authority has been given to, to him in heaven and in earth. Even here on earth, all authority is his. Say, Pastor, how can things be happening like they are if he's an authority? There is the aspect of his of him giving free will. And we see as people choose to reject Jesus Christ, as they refuse to acknowledge him, we are where we are today. And our land and around this globe, there's been a a rejecting and of of even acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord. But all authority has been given to him. Whether we see it or not, he is, he is preeminent. In Revelations 5 verse 11, there's a praise that goes up to him. It says, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Let me read that again. As I do, I want you to recognize that this worship and praise is of perfection. There are seven things that are mentioned here that he is to receive. And he is worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. Seven, seven things that are mentioned here. A thing of completion, a completion. The, the number seven is of completion, of perfection. And this is the praise and worship that goes up to the Lord Jesus Christ. That in all things he may have the preeminence. Now, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, Jesus is preeminent. I, I want to make the point. Secondly is, it says that in all things, he may have the preeminence. So the question is, well, I thought he was preeminent. If he's preeminent, wouldn't it just say that in all things he is, or he has the preeminence? It says here that in all things he may, he may have the preeminence. So for us as individuals, I want you to listen today. This is, this is important. This is important, and this is why we have struggled today in our uh, uh, society, in our city, in our country, in our province, all the provinces, there's problems, because even though Jesus is preeminent, even though he is sovereign, there has not been an acknowledgement given to him at this time. And for us as individuals, that he would be preeminent in our lives. He desires that in all things, in every single aspect of your existence, that he would be preeminent. So the thing is that we have a choice to make. I either, and this is as a child of God, I either allow him to be preeminent or I don't, to hold the first place in my life. 
Lord, that you would hold first place in my life. There would be nothing else that would come before you that you would be preeminent. We need to have Jesus to be, to be first in our lives, to, that he would hold first place in all that we are. So it's up to us to make Jesus preeminent in our lives because he will not, at this point, kick down the door of your heart and force himself in to be first in your life. And even as you would receive Christ, it is up to us that he would hold first place in all that we are. There is no forcing of worship of the Lord Jesus in our lives. <coughs> he doesn't force. He doesn't force us. There's a choice that's made on our free will to have him be preeminent in our life. That in all things he may have the preeminence to hold first place. To hold the first place in our lives. You know what? Now, it's the third point I want to make here now is this. Jesus desiring to be preeminent in your existence is a good thing. And in my existence is a good thing. Him holding first place in every aspect of our life. Just say, you know what? Yeah, he's first on a Wednesday night. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, he's first in my life. We're coming here. To our, uh, Sunday morning, he's first in our lives. But is he first place in your life when you go off to work? Is he first in your life when all hell is breaking loose? Is he, is he, do we hold him in first place when all hell is breaking loose? Do we hold him in, in first place when everything is good and everything is working out and there is no, no need of anything? Is he still in first place? Is he in first place when, when there is, is a health situation that's arisen? Is he first place in your life? Does he hold first place? Is he first place when it comes to your, your finances, whether you have much or you have little? Is he first in your life? Is he preeminent? Because he desires to be preeminent in every aspect of your being. When it comes to relationship. Is he preeminent or is he put off to the side? Is he just left behind because, Lord, you just don't quite fit in right now? Or is he first? Because he desires to be first, and it's we who put him first in our lives. To willingly say, Lord, I place you first in my life. So exciting whether it's spiritual things, relational things, whether it's the battles and the storms, whether it's, it's the temptations, whatever it may be, it, whether it's health, whether it's, it's the, the, the changing of your life, of who you are, to just say, I'm, I'm willing for the Lord to change me. Whatever it may be, Lord, I place you first. I put you first. In Romans 12, verse 1, Paul, by the Spirit, says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I just read this the other week, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. You willingly present yourself a living sacrifice. You put him first. Lord, I, I yield my will to your will. I, I, your, let your will be done in my life. You are first and foremost. I'm choosing to allow you to go ahead, even as I submit, as I present myself a living sacrifice. I'm holy and acceptable to God. It's the least that I can do as a child of God, as a believer in Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God desires to change us. He desires to do a work on us as we willingly put him first, as we have him hold first place in our lives. 
You know what? We get so caught up with things of life. There's so many things that would creep in, and we just say, well, you know what? I got to do this, and I got to do that. There are other things that come in, in, in that weigh in on us, and we just say, you know what? I got to take care of, of this burden. I got to take care of this weight that's on me. I've, gotta, I've got this situation there. I got, there's so many different things that can creep, on, creep in to our lives. And the Lord is saying, listen, let me be first. Put me first in your life. So that my perfect, so that the perfect and acceptable and good will of God can be accomplished in us. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. He's given to each one of us a measure of faith to believe that measure of faith, even as it began in Jesus Christ. When you first came to the Lord, just a small measure of faith. I'm going to grab a hold of Jesus Christ. I'm going to put him first. And there's, there's a putting him first in that place, even a small little bit of faith in Christ. And mountains can be removed. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12, verse 1, I talked about running a race. More of a sprint than an endurance run. It says, therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I'll tell you, the weights of life, Lord, I'm just, I'm laying them aside. I'm giving them over to you. You're, you hold first my life. Here, take these things. I, I, they're just too heavy for me. Lord, the sins that so easily ensnare us that would trip us up that 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 we struggle we may struggle with lord i'm going to lay those aside and i want to run the, the race this endurance race that is set before us it says looking on to jesus the author and finisher of our faith even as we begin the race by faith that we would finish it by faith and we would run it by faith faith in him the one that, the, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is preeminent. He is above all. And he's saying, I want to see you through the, the, the race that you are running at this time. I want to see you through. There is not much faith required to move mountains. And a lot of those things, the, the faith that is required to move the, the obstacles even in your life, the things that you view as mountains within your life, as he is pre preeminent and as your faith is in him. Matthew 17, verse 17 says, uh, and Jesus is talking to the, those that are around. He says, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. He had just come down off the mountain. And they were, the uh, religious leaders were mocking the disciples because they couldn't drive the demon out of the boy. And they, he said, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds is a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. What is your faith in? Who is your faith in? When it comes to the obstacles and the mountains in your life, is there a complaining? Is there a whining? Uh, is there a groaning about the mountains in your life? Lord, you would be first. You would take first place in my life. My faith and my trust is in you to remove the mountains, the obstacles that may be there in my life. Is Jesus preeminent? Is he first? 
Does he hold first place in your life? You know what? So often when it comes to the difficulties of life, so often when it comes to the obstacles, man, are we doing it. We're attempting to do things in our own strength. Lord, I love you, but when it comes to the, the mountains and the, the, the things of life, we, we are doing things in our own strength. And so rather than him being preeminent, we, we sometimes unknowingly say, well, I've got to go through this on my own. I'm going to do this in my own strength. We attempt to do so much in our own strength, not recognizing that the Lord is preeminent. The things that we can't do, the Lord desires to do in our lives. Just a few benefits of Jesus being preeminent. Let's go back to verse 9. This is about when we hold Jesus first in our lives. And so Paul, he, he's writing the Colossians. He says, you know what? For this reason, we also, since day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be. And then he starts listing off a whole number of things. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this is the heart of God to each and every one of us today. It wasn't just for the Colossians 2,000 years ago. It is for us today as we place him first and foremost that he would hold first place in our lives. So here's what God desires for us. That we, it says, when we hold first Jesus first in our lives, that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So often, when it comes to the things that the Lord would have us do and, and whatever, it's, it's set aside because we have plans that we say, well, this is what needs to be done. Not saying that it's, it's necessarily bad things, but it's, it's our plans. And Jesus isn't preeminent. As Jesus would be pre uh, preeminent in our lives, when he would take first place, it's, Lord, what is your will for my life? And it says here that we can be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Not according to our wisdom, not according to our understanding of it, but rather to his wisdom and his understanding of who we are and him knowing best who we are and the things that are ahead of us and the things that he would have for us. Say, Pastor Dave, you know what? You have no ideas of, of who I am and the flaws that I may have, the weaknesses that I may have, the past that I may have, or the things that I'm going through, the weaknesses that, that I may have. I want to say to you, as you put the Lord first, as he holds first place in your life, the thing is that he desires for his will to be accomplished in your life. I just want you to know. You might say, well, you know what? I'm not, I'm not 17 anymore. I'm not young. I'm getting older. I'm older. I'm already over the hill, and I'm coming back down the other side. Can the Lord still use me? I just want to say this. I read uh, in our library we have a, a series that is called the God's Generals. And I read those in the last number of, of, I think there's some uh, DVDs of the last hundred years or so, or that which could be recorded uh, is, is recorded. There's some on, on DVDs, actual clips of some of these individuals. And the amazing thing that I found, whether you go back to uh, Wycliffe and, and Martin Luther in the 1400s and the different people that God used. One thing that I, I recognized throughout for each and every one was the fact that they were flawed individuals. They were flawed individuals. They weren't perfect. There was, there, there was faults, and there wasn't necessarily even perfect understanding as we look back to theology and whatever, but there were things revealed that God had revealed at that time for that individual to impact society at that time, just like Martin Luther did in the 1400s, the late 1400s, to impact us that we would go from the things of the church and legalism to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ it was a huge bit of, of, of light that came into the, 
the dark ages that were over a thousand years, the dark ages. There is no real understanding light of, of Jesus Christ. There are just little pockets here and there as the enemy would try to snuff out. But here, as people said, Lord, you're first, even being flawed, God used them. And one of the last ones that was mentioned was um, Charles and Francis Hunter. Charles and Francis Hunter. And Charles and Francis Hunter had healing ministry. They were, they were truly Pentecostals. They did not start their ministry until they were in their 50s. And up until that time, both had been married to uh, other uh, sp their, their spouse. Uh, they, they weren't married from their 20s. Their spouses died, and they met each other in their early 50s. They got married, and the Lord called them both into beautiful ministry. And they were used powerfully by God and, and touched literally millions of people's lives. Just, to, Lord, I put you first in my life because you have a plan and purpose for me. Listen, some of you may be discouraged here tonight. You may be discouraged. You say, well, you know what? I, I just, it seems like I'm going around in circles. I'm, I'm in a rut. It just seems like I just can't get any traction. It just seems like I, I take two steps forward and I take three backwards. And, it, and you're beating yourself up and the enemy's saying, perfect. Because he doesn't have to beat us up anymore. We beat ourselves up. And as we humble ourselves, you know what? There's something about putting someone else first in your life. There is a whole thing of humility involved. As we humble ourselves, there's nothing of pride, but rather there's a thing of, Lord, you are first in my life. I, I submit to your lordship. And you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. And the Lord is saying here that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That there would be a fulfilling of God's will for your, for your life. And I want to say this to, tonight. There are people here tonight that would be blown away if you understood all of God's will for your life here tonight. You say, well, pastor, I'm not a pastor. And God is saying, oh, man, do I want to use you before my return. I want for your, the will, the plans and purposes that I have for you, that they would be done in your life. That in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, there would be a revelation of what he wants to do in your life. Now listen, somebody say, God, just show me what you would have me do. Show me, reveal your will to me. I want you to know there are times where you wonder, God, why aren't you revealing your will to me? And I think oftentimes he doesn't reveal his will because we could not handle what he has for us. And so he just allows us to have an inkling here and there and there's a, a work of change that takes place in our life. There's experiences that we have, both positive or negative, that we go through, that God allows for us to go through. And there's a shaping and there's a molding of, of, of who we are so that he can prepare us for the things that he would have us do. And all along the way, there is a work of his will being accomplished in us, even as you surrender yourself to him, and he's able to begin to change you. That's part of God's will, to change you to form you, to shape you. And so tonight, I want you to be encouraged, especially if you've been slipping, and you just say, man, I try so hard, and it doesn't seem to, to work out in my life. And God is just saying, let me be first. I want to take care of those mountains. I want to take care of those obstacles in your life. We're more concerned about when we wake up in the morning, am I going to make it through the day, or I'm going to fall again? Rather, you'd get up in the morning, just say, Lord, I commit my life into your hands, and you will see me through every situation. Because your will is good. Your will is not for my demise. Your will is not for me to slip and fall. Your will is not for me to be overcome. But rather, your will is for my good. Your will is that, that you would be exalted, Lord, in all of this. Hallelujah. When Jesus isn't preeminent in our lives, our desires, our will is done. It's what I want, what my flesh craves for. It's what I desire. And we go off the track. And oftentimes we, we, 
we go off into the bush. We go off into the, the highways and the byways. We go off into the wilderness, and we are, we're in a desert place. We're in storms. We go all through all kinds of things because our will is being done. He's not first. It says here that in all things he may have the preeminence we choose. We choose to make him first in our lives. Daily, Lord, let your will be done in my life. You might say, but I don't think I can do it. Look at what the next verse says. This is Colossians 1.10. When we hold Jesus first in our lives, it says that you may walk worthy of the Lord. It's not just that you may. You will walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Even as you be, continue to, to, to allow him to be first, you hold him first in your life. The next thing you know, you see more and more and more of the power of God to, to see you through the most difficult of situations. Hallelujah. We will walk worthy of the Lord. We will fully please him. You don't have to be afraid. Well, will I be, am I, am I even worthy to be a child of God, I'll tell you, that's a lie from the enemy. I want you to know when, you, when there's this thing of condemnation and there's a thing of shame and guilt and whatever that may come because you slipped or fallen, the Lord is saying, you put me first. You put me first. You place your trust in me. You hang on to me. And it says here that we will walk worthy of the Lord. We are worthy of the Lord because our faith and our trust is in him. And not only will we fully please him, but we will be fruitful in every good work. Not just any work, any action, but we're talking in good actions and there's going to be a fruit about the things you do. Have you ever worked and nothing was accomplished? That's the definition of frustration. Is to work and nothing is accomplished. I remember... the supervisor of a of a, a a project just to keep the guys working okay i want you to move that pile of dirt i want you to move it over there so they moved that pile of dirt from there to to this this side over here next day hey move that pile over to the other side over there just to keep them working nothing was being accomplished Talk about a frustration. When you put the Lord first, when, we, when the Lord is first and preeminent in our lives, the next thing is that the work that we do will have fruit. The things that we do will matter. The things that we do will taste good, not just for ourselves, but for others to taste and see that the Lord is good. The changes that take place in your life, oh, Lord, all it is, you're preeminent. You're first. You are first. I'm, I'm talking about the interactions. I, it says here, let me read again. This is verse 18, the last phrase. That in all things, he may have the preeminence. All things. Your relationship with your spouse. The Lord is preeminent. And you're a flawed individual, and so is your spouse. How many of you know that your spouse is flawed? Right? We all know our, our spouse is flawed, and we also know as we look at ourselves, we examine ourselves, man, am I flawed. Can you imagine that here there's a fruitful, we are fruitful in every action that we have in our relationship. For those that are single out there, every action that we have Every work that we do is a good work, and it is fruitful to bring more. The thing about fruitfulness is that there's an increase, an expanding of, of, of what we do. There's, an, there's a, a, a good that comes out of it, that you would walk, you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God that, man, what? Lord, I can't believe what was accomplished. I can't believe what was accomplished just because you are first in my life. And as flawed as I may be, I can't believe that you could use this vessel. 
I say, thank you, Lord. You can use this vessel to touch other people's lives. And there's an increase in the knowledge of who God is, the fact that he's able to do the things that are so impossible, even within us. They're impossible. The Lord is saying, oh, but it is so good as you place me first. You hold me first in your life. When we hold Jesus first in our lives, verse 11, it says that we will be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. It doesn't say here that we won't go through the battles or the storms or temptations, but it says here that, that even as we face these different things, the Lord is going to, he's saying, I will give you the strength and the might that is of me and the glorious power that you need from me to get through the situation. Doesn't matter what you're going through. I want you to, if you look and you recognize your weaknesses and you look back over your life, you realize, oh my goodness. I'm still hanging on to you, Lord, as flawed as I am, as weak as I am, and I'm still trusting you. And as you look back over your life, you say, man, look at the things that I went through, and it was because of the grace and the mercy and the power of God in my life that allowed me to get through because I'm just not that strong. I'm just not that capable. I'm just not that smart. He's saying you will be victorious according to to my glorious power. Not your wisdom, not my wisdom, not my strength, not my determination, but his might, his strength, his power in our lives. It says, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. This word patience has to do with endurance. Same thing with long-suffering. There's this thing of getting through the hard times. When you look back, you wonder, how did I make it through? I'll tell you right now. As flawed as you may be, as flawed as I may be, as our faith and our trust continues, Lord, I place you first in my life. The Lord is saying, I will see you through. It says, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. You will make it through those hard times, and there will be this sustaining thing of, of even joy within it. Years ago, there's a passage that says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I always thought that in the, the hard times and the difficult times and the, the long suffering and in the times that I need patience, it's like I don't have any joy. Lord, where's the joy? The, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I got an understanding of that verse. And it brought me back, and I've mentioned this before. Doing things for my mom and my dad as a child. I can remember as a kid, our garden was huge. It was huge. Our garden was larger than the sanctuary. And we planted, so we're kids, and we're out there, we're right on Lions Creek, and, and we're planting those bean seeds, and we're, I'm talking the mosquitoes were brutal, especially in the evening. They'd come out when the sun was going down and get, you know, it was a little bit darker, the mosquitoes would come up, and it's like nasty, and we're... we're planting or we're, uh, you know, we're harvesting the, the bushels of beans. You know, you just, I hate beans. But you know what? I can, I can remember my dad entrusting me with the rototiller. We're talking about a massive 3.5 horsepower Briggs and Stratton rototiller. And for those of you who don't know, understand that, you know, those things that are chopping up the, the, the tilling, the soil, if, if you let it, that thing will just pull you all over the place. Being able to, to handle and know, hey, you know what, I just need to 
push the back end down and let that furrow go right deep into the soil and it'll just cut up and it'll hold the thing. I, I hardly have to control the, the machine. It's not running off on me because I can control it. I'm 11 years old. And my father has entrusted me with the task of doing this, this labor that is, is hard. And there's a thing of, man, this is not an easy job. And I'm going back and forth and just tilling the, the, the garden. Going back and forth. Just a, a young man or a young boy. Yeah, I might have been a young man at 11 years of age. Really young. But let me just say this. It hit me, the joy of the Lord is the fact that I was making my father glad. And I can see as a father now, I understand, when I look at my children, when we look at our children, Julie and I look at our children, we see our daughters and we recognize when they start to do the things of the Lord on their own, it makes your heart glad. And when the kids see that the parent is glad, it makes them say, oh man, I know my, pa my, my parents, they're, they're happy when I endure through the hard times and I don't go off track. And just knowing that my parents are happy as my father was happy with me doing the rototilling, it's like I didn't quit until the job was done because I knew it made his heart glad. The joy of my father was my strength to finish the job, to get through it even if it was tough. I understood this verse then. When you make the, the Lord glad, it's like I can get through anything. I know that I make the Lord glad in what I'm doing now. When I say no to the temptation that comes my way, I know that the, the Lord is glad with me. For all patience and long-suffering with joy, his joy, Lord, I'm, not, I'm never letting go of you in the hard times. And the joy of the Lord becomes my strength. His joy is my strength that I can endure the hard time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That he would be first in our lives. Listen, there are things that need to be done in these last days. The Lord is going to put on you different things that you would, he would have you do. And you say, God, is this of you? It seems so beyond me. And it is because that's the God we serve. Has things that are way beyond us to do. That are specific for us. Lord, let me do what you would have me do. That you are, I hold you first in my life. And it is that I would do or have your will accomplished within me at this time. even the difficulties, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Hallelujah. When we hold Jesus first in our lives, verse 12 says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. We begin to be thankful for what he has done. We give thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. We are in right standing with God the Father. He's qualified us. We, we are right with him. We are, where we, need to, we are where we need to be with him. Not because of our works, not because of what we've accomplished, but because of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is first and foremost in our life. What he's done for us, that's where my faith is in. And the Father says, you are qualified to, to receive an inheritance. Eternal life with him. And already on this side of heaven, abundance of life, fullness of life. Not necessarily ease of life, but definitely a fullness of life. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That we will make it to the end. We will make it to the end. There is something that is still so beyond us. John 14, as Jesus was finishing his time here on earth, says to his disciples, and he says to us, let not your heart be troubled. 
You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where, you, where I am, there you may be also. When we lay hold of Jesus and put him first in our lives, either the Lord will call us home or the trumpet will sound and we will be caught up to be with the Lord. Either way, that our hearts would not be troubled. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13 says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope, those that have died before us. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, this is a simple thing of faith, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. The Lord is coming soon, and we will be with him, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light, in the light of Jesus Christ, because he's first and preeminent in our lives. We've, we've placed him first. We hold him first in our lives. Hallelujah. Verse 13, Colossians 1.13 says that even as we would hold Jesus first in our lives, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Aren't you glad tonight that you have been delivered from the power of darkness? That he has moved you into the kingdom of the Son of his love. We are part of the same kingdom as the Son of his love. We are enveloped, enveloped with the same love that he has for his son, the Father has for his son's son. He loves, the Father loves his son so much. And we are enveloped in that same love, the same love that the Father has for his son, he has for his children that believe in his son. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, but you are a chosen generation You've been chosen, a royal priesthood. You belong to the Most High God, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Praise God, we belong to him as we have placed Jesus first in our lives wow when you recognize all the blessing and the promises that are available to us just by putting him first it's like lord there's so much there is so much for me i can't believe it hallelujah that in all things he may have the preeminence hallelujah when we hold Jesus first in our lives, the sixth thing that we receive, it says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We were bought with a high price. It cost Jesus his blood shed for us. It cost him his life. And it says we have, we have redemption. We've been bought through his blood and we have been forgiven of our sins. All our sins, past, present, and future. John 19, verse 30, when Jesus breathed his last, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. As I mentioned the other day, this word finished means that God is satisfied. Listen, the meaning of this word finished, it means to be paid. It's paid for. God, Christ satisfied God's justice by dying for all to pay for the sins of the elect. These sins can never, listen, these sins can never be punished again since they would violate God's justice. 
Sins can only be punished once, either by a substitute or by yourself. And he was our substitute. As long as he continues to be first in our lives. Hallelujah. As our faith is in him. This uh, chapter, Paul talks about the faith of these Colossians. He says, I'm apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae. Saints, you can only be a saint by your faith in Jesus Christ and to remain faithful only by your faith in Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love of all the saints. They had grabbed a hold of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had not let it go. And, and Paul is saying, we, we hear of your faith. And your love of all the saints, your brothers and sisters in the Lord, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you and, it has, also, and, and has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the days you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. A simple thing of responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. How hard is that? You heard the good news of Jesus Christ, that he died for you, took all your sins upon yourself, and you grabbed a hold of it, and there was a change that took place. And here Paul is saying, I'm hearing of your faith in Jesus Christ. All the benefits are because of your faith in Jesus Christ. To put somebody first, to commit yourself to somebody first, you need to have faith in them. You just don't commit yourself to anybody. You only do so by faith. If you can't trust somebody, you will never commit yourself to them. But as you place your faith, and as you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, all these things, the benefits that we, we just finished reading of, are yours. They're yours. Lord, let them be. All these different things. As you have learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow spirit who, or servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit, your love in the Holy Spirit. Even the way they loved was by the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit because their faith was in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That in all things he may have the preeminence. I just want to read these last few verses as I close here. Colossians 1, verse 19 to 23. And I want you to see again that everything, to place Jesus first in your life, it needs faith. To be able to say, Lord, I trust you enough to be first, to hold you first, to put you first in my life. It, it is faith. And it begins, even as we do that, it, it begins initially by your faith in who he is. Because listen, this is, it wraps it up. Colossians 1, 19, 4, It pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness, fullness should dwell. The fullness, the capacity for you to be who you need to be, to have everything that you need to have in your life. The fullness should dwell. He's, it's dwelling in Christ. And even as Jesus would be in our lives, that the fullness of who Jesus Christ is would be evident in our lives as well. For it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, the fullness of God, the God, who God is. And by him, by Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, to get into right standing, to be in, in relationship, that's reconciliation, it comes through Jesus, to reconcile through Jesus so we can have relationship with God the Father by him, Jesus, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. We have relationship, we have peace, we have 
reconciliation with God made through the blood of his cross. Sin separated us from God, but as we are reconciled, there's a dealing with our sins, all taken care of by Christ on the cross in his shed blood for us. And as we place him first, there are so many benefits and blessings that come. It says, and you, look at, look at what it says in verse 21. It says, you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked wor works, yet now he has reconciled. You were, we were, listen, you look at yourself and how you were when you, before you knew the Lord, truly, you were separated, alienated from God. You were enemies in your mind by your wicked words, works. The things that you thought and that you did, they were wickedness before God. And God loved you and loved me. And he, we were reconciled. Yet now he has reconciled in how? In the body of his flesh through death. Who died? Which body was given over or was broken? It was Jesus' body going to the cross and on the cross to present us holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Can you believe that? Thank you, Jesus. Listen, some of you, once again, the enemy comes and he lies to you, says you are good for nothing. And we, we put our, our faith in our, in our own righteousness and we say, yeah, man, I'm no good for nothing because I fell and slipped again. Listen, as good as you may be, you will never be good enough. It is only in the body of his flesh through death, his death for us, that we are able to be presented to God holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And so he looks at us as, as our faith is in Christ and what he did for us on the cross, and we put him first and hold him first in our lives. We are presented holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. And verse 23 if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard. I'll tell you, this is critical, critical, critical for us in these last days, that we would hang on the same thing that saved me when I was seven years ago, 50 years, it'll be 50 years ago this year, that I was saved. The same faith that saved me as a seven-year-old boy is the same faith that I need to have today steadfast to see me through every single thing that may happen that would be ahead of me yet. That I would, if indeed Dave continues in the faith grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which I heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven of which I, Paul, became a minister. If anybody was opposed to God, it was Paul, Saul. And here we see that he's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was determined you would know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. I didn't come to you in eloquence of speech and, and, and that you would have faith in the power of, uh, or wisdom of man but I came to you in a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power that your faith would be in the power of God. Hallelujah. In the message of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross, foolishness to those that are perishing, but the power of God to those that are being saved. Can we stand together? Hallelujah. The things that the Lord still has to do not just on you and say, man, I got a lot of stuff that still needs to change. You know what? I haven't arrived either. Listen, I want to encourage some of you. I haven't arrived either. But thank you, Jesus. As my faith is in Jesus Christ, I stand right before God Almighty. And the things that he still has yet to do on me, he will do. And the things that he desires to do, th do through me, he will do. Lord, let them be done. Let them be done. Hallelujah. If there's anybody here tonight that you need to just say, Lord, forgive me because I've placed my faith in myself. You would just ask the Lord to forgive you and that you would place your faith back to what saved you in Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
that you would allow him to be first preeminent in your life to accomplish his good and acceptable and perfect will at this time that he would be glorified in you and through you hallelujah lord i just i just thank you for the plans and the purposes that you have for each one of us because you loved us and you gave yourself for us you died for us and lord you have a plan and a purpose for every single one here those that are listening online for that person that that uh, is, is perhaps just coming to you at this time confessing their sins i'm a sinner and confessing jesus but you died for me you shed your blood for me you gave yourself for me that i can have life i believe that you died for me that you love me so much you died for me and that you were that you overcame death and you overcame hell i believe that and i receive you into my life for even that individual right now there would be a revelation of who you are lord for those that are maybe coming back to you at this time that there would be such a revelation of who you are your tremendous love uh for those for that person right now lord for that 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 son that has just been made has been made new and whole in you that daughter that has just come back to you lord Lord, that they are made whole, they're made right before you because of their faith in you, their confession of, of who you are, their confession of their sins. But Lord, you've taken care of it all and you've washed them clean by your blood. And so Lord, I pray revelation, not just of who you are, but Lord, the things that you would have, there, have them do. Lord, there'd be an inkling of that already in their spirit and their soul, whether it's by visions or dreams, or Lord, you would speak audibly to them, or Lord, you just instill within their spirit and their soul and their mind, you just, that they would know this is what I, the Lord would have me do. And they would go and do what you would have them do in the boldness of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit for your glory that all, the, all their works would be not just any work, but good works, Lord, that are of fruitfulness in Jesus' name. Lord, we just give you praise and glory tonight. I pray blessing on my dear brothers and sisters here tonight, all those that are, are viewing online, Lord. I just pray blessing on each and every one in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful night. And just a reminder, church is on. Church is on tomorrow night if you can make it. Yeah, church is on Sunday. Come on out, and we will uh, lift up the Lord and exalt him. God bless. Hey, thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. Just want you to know you can find full live stream services on our website, lighthouseniagara.com.